You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst, everyone. With me today is Eloise Gagnon. For over 15 years, Eloise worked as an international corporate lawyer. Through her practice, she worked with business leaders from all over the world, especially in the Middle East. She's developed an expertise in strategic thinking, mission statements, and performance mindset. Eloise now coaches business owners and top executives on creating a vision, identifying their purpose, clarifying their goals, and implementing skills and strategies for lasting success. Eloise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. So before we dive in, I'm actually super curious to know what got you into corporate law? Oh, my God. That's such a good question. And it's funny because nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, okay. And here, here's the truth. Okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you really how it is. Um, I was one of those kids that I, I wasn't good at school at all. Growing up, I was horrible in school. Um, I'm the younger sibling I'm of a brilliant, my sister is brilliant. Uh, she was a straight A plus student. We unfortunately went to the same school. So the teachers were constantly disappointed in me. Oh, um, no. oh yeah. I, to a point like where my dad actually switched me schools because he's like, okay, we can't keep her there. So I switched schools where no one knew my sister and I could just be mediocre on my own <laughs> and wasn't compared to anyone until I had phenomenal teachers that believed in my potential and, and so did my parents, but there is something about my teachers and what I learned and starting to love reading books where I got really good in school, but I didn't know what I wanted to get into. And my dad said, well, you're going to go into law. So I had applied for mathematics and law and law school. And the reason behind it is I love to problem solve. I've always been like that. Um, I I did high degree mathematics when I was in CJEP just because it wasn't the math so much. And I applied to go into math, not for mathematics itself, but just for the, the satisfaction I get from solving a problem. And I kind of viewed law the same way. And so I went into law school and everybody's like, oh, you're going to have to memorize everything. And I'm like, no, there's got to be a strategy behind it. There's got to be a way to think your way through law school, which is pretty much how I did it. And when I finished law school, getting a higher education degree wasn't an option in my family. You know, so like my sister has a PhD, my dad has an MBA, my mom has two master's degrees. So my parents were like, okay, what are you doing next? And I said, well, I'm going to do a master's degree in corporate tax law. And it was a program that was offered at the HSA here in Montreal. And people were like, why are you going into taxes? Like it is the most boring thing (laughs) there is. And I said, well, because it's, to me, it's the most complex problem solving that is related to law that I could find. And so I went into tax law, not because I enjoyed tax law per se, but because I love to problem solve. And that's how I got into it. That's, I'd love to have like a, a nice story that I dreamt of being a lawyer and a litigator my entire life. And that's, but I just wanted to solve problems. So I totally understand and get, you know, the, the desire for having a more 
elaborate, glamorous story, but I think your story is actually one that's really relatable. And it's one that a lot of people can resonate with in particular, having the opinion of high achieving parents or parents that want you to be high achiever and saying, this is really the direction you ought to go. Did you ever feel that, you know, when your dad said, you got to go to law, that yeah. it perhaps wasn't the path for you? Or were you just like, yeah, all right. Oh, no, hundred percent. I initially, I wanted to be a nutritionist. I wanted to study in endocrinology. And well, that's my different. Dad, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's originally what I wanted. And my dad was like, no, you're going to be a lawyer. And, and I, I, I want your listeners to know, and I'm sure a lot could relate. So I, my dad was my greatest love and I was in business with him for 15 years until he passed away. Oh, actually shortly before he passed away, I I went on my own. Um, but he was the greatest love of my life. And I have been inseparable with my dad since I was three years old. And I was brought up in a very religious uh, family, very Catholic, not imposed religion. Like my, my parents really encouraged us to learn about religion and learn about, you know, God and Christianity and, and everything that went along with it. And my dad always told me, I will always do what's best for you, not because of me, not because I, what I want for you, but because of what I think is best for you. And so even though I was resistant to go to law school, um, because to go into endocrinology, I wanted to start studying nutrition. And my dad was like, no, (laughs) like, I don't see a future for you there. Eventually my dad had asked me, he's like, do you regret me pushing you? to go into law school and pushing you to become a lawyer. And I said, and no, and it was, it was very sincere answer. And it was very sincere conversation I had with my dad. And I said, no, I don't regret it because had you not pushed me to become a lawyer, I wouldn't have the capacity to strategically think the way I do. I wouldn't problem solve as well as I do. I wouldn't see problems in their entirety and their complexity and be able to break it down into like bite-sized problems that I can solve. I probably wouldn't have the growth mindset that I have now. Like there's so many things that law school brought me that go above and beyond the law that, that changed me as a person. And that's what my dad wanted for me. And I knew that my dad didn't want me to be a lawyer just to have a title. He wanted me to develop the thinking and the writing and the negotiating skills and the leadership skills that go along with that university degree. And that's Mm -hmm. what he wanted for me. And, it took me a while to be thankful and to be grateful that he had pushed me to go through that. So I think it's important, you know, what uh, some context to your story is that you had such this is such a great relationship with him. Yes. And I think so many people fall into this trap often unknowingly of chasing imposed success. We don't even realize yeah. that we're following the vision of a life that was not even ours. It was not even a vision that we've created. Yeah. And having a, you know, the relationship that you did with your dad, from what I understand anyway, allowed you the, the comfort of saying, you know, this may not be in the path that I chose for myself, but I appreciate it and here's why. And maybe even yeah. allowed you the courage to say, and, and here's why I'm going to make a change. But for those who don't necessarily have such a great an open and loving relationship with their parents yeah. who have also kind of imposed their vision of what success should look like in the path that they're 
really intended to take. Yeah. How do you, how would you recommend kind of finding your voice in that situation? That's a great question because one thing to remember is as much as I loved my dad and as much as we had a great relationship, he was also a very imposing figure. Mm. And the idea that I could disappoint him was so painful to me. So painful. So even though I felt I could talk to him, I, the, it took me so much courage to be honest with him when I finally decided to go on my own. It, it took everything out of me, everything out of me, because the idea that I might disappoint him was so, was haunting me. Because this, this is a man that always told me that he only wanted what's best for me and that loved me unconditionally. How could I disappoint him? How could I not follow through on his vision that he has for my life to be a lawyer and to be successful in that realm? Mm. And so it was, even though it was very open and loving, it was also a very heavy burden on my shoulders because from the time I was very young, everybody told me that I was going to work with my dad. And so I felt there was no other option for me. What was carrying that burden like for so long? It was very heavy. And I, I always chased perfection and I, I chased performance and I chased success. What my dad saw as success and I worked countless hours. I, you know, an 80 hour work week for me was normal. Um, I wasn't married. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have kids. I literally, I just worked because that's how much I wanted my father to be proud of me. And that's how much I wanted him to be like, yes, you know, you're doing good. You're doing great. You're, you are who I always wanted you to be. And that's what I chased for a very, very long time. So I understand people when they say like, it takes courage to make your own voice be heard because being so loved is as much a blessing as it is a bit of a prison. So to me, what I tell people is own your choices and also be aware that there will be consequences to whatever it is that you choose or you say. If there's, there's going to be consequences if you choose to stay in the situation that you're in and there's going to be consequences if you choose to step out of where you are, right? So can we talk about that for a little bit? Because I think yes. when we embark on change, we create stories. We yep. create a narrative, an inner dialogue, Yep. Rightly or wrongly, we start yep. telling ourselves these things and given the weight of this burden yep. and the love that it was kind of encompassed in, yeah. do you feel like it ended up as you had imagined, as, it, as you had built it up in your mind to be like when you finally no. did have the courage to talk to him? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not at all. Uh, not at all. I... I expected a debate because every time I had brought law or being a lawyer, my dad, it always ended pretty abruptly with him saying, this is what you're doing. And, you know, pretty much end of conversation. Mm. And so when I had decided to transition into coaching and started my, you know, starting my own business on my own, um, I had made sure that I had, you know, gotten certified as a coach, done my classes, um, talked to some people about coaching, trying to figure out what it was all about. And I remember being so scared when I talked to my dad. And this is my dad. Like, this is someone that unconditionally loves me. But he was so close to me that I was so scared 
to talk to him. And I had prepared in my head all the answers to potential arguments, you know, or that he may have, or I do the same thing, <laughs> you know, objections that he, I prepared this, like I would prepare like a court case, oh you know, gosh. it was like in my head, I'm going through the motion of what a full on debate with my dad is going to be like. And my dad could, had a very imposing personality. Um, and so I, for, for weeks and months, I had this whole scenario prepared in my head and it didn't go like that at all. <laughs> like, so at what all. was it like? I, so th- this is the c- crazy part, but I'll, t- I'll tell you how it went. I sat down with my dad and I told him that I thought I felt it was time for me to leave the company and start on my own. And I truly believe that as a coach, I could have the impact that I wanted to have on the world and I could truly help and serve others. And I was going to continue and go on and tell him like all the reasons why I think I should be a coach. (laughs) And my dad, I remember just put his hand over my head and said, you're going to do great. Oh, and I think that this is what you have been preparing yourself to do. Wow. And I think at that moment, I didn't know if I was going to cry or jump up and down <laughs> or like, I really didn't know how to react. So I just sat there and I just looked at my dad waiting for another reaction, like maybe him getting up, He's maybe like, getting just kidding. angry at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but none of that happened. But the crazy thing is that um, my dad unexpectedly, well, unexpectedly to us, uh, passed away three days later. Wow. Yeah. So we don't know um, if, if he knew that his heart was sick, right? We don't, we don't know that. Um, I only found out after his death. Um, and so to me to have his blessing before his passing, it meant everything to me, but it made the burden of succeeding even more real because I'm like, okay, now that my dad gave me his blessing, now I have to really show up. And Mm. now I really have to step in this new role that I'm giving myself because he believed in me till the last, till the last moment. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to step into that. So when I, I, transition people were like oh you look like you have like a fire you know under you and I'm like yes and that that fire has been has been lit by my dad's passing because now I have to succeed in his memory in his honor but also for what I told him the reason why I wanted to become a coach was to have an impact and serve others and help others which in our family helping and serving others is the foundation of who we are as a family my sister's a psychologist. So, you know, helping others is a big thing. And so I'm like, no, I have to really show my dad that he was right to give me his blessing before passing. I love that. Yeah. And it, it, it transformed everything. Like I always say, like, there's, there's been different versions of me. There was like the Eloise 1.0 until I graduated law school and then I traveled extensively to the Middle East and I came back the Eloise 2.0, which was a much better, better version (laughs) than the 1.0. And then there's like the Eloise 3.0 now that is like after my dad's passing. So how do you go from 
2.0 to 3.0 when I guess the vision of who you want to be has completely shifted. I mean, from 1.0 to 2.0, you're an evolved version of mm-hmm. this corporate lawyer. You're following yeah. the path that you're on. And then between 2.0 and 3.0, you're like, hang on a second, something's <laughs> yeah. got to change here. How did you even discover what 3.0 would look like after being in the same industry following that path for more than 15 years? Yeah. So, and I'm going to add a curveball to this is, Oh, please. I was actually four days pregnant when my dad passed away and we didn't even know. Mm. So on Christmas, my dad passed away um, on December 12th and on Christmas day, my husband and I found out we were pregnant with our second, which in and of itself is a miracle. Um, And so here I was, no dad, no business, pregnant (laughs) and having to deal with all of this and having to figure out, well, who am I now? Like, who am I? And it's funny because for the longest time I introduced myself as a former lawyer. Like I, I hadn't stepped into my new role as a coach. I was like, hi, I'm Louise. I was a lawyer for over 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't have a clear sense of who I was anymore because so much of who I was was attached to my dad to a point where when my dad passed, people were very afraid for me. Hmm. They're like, well, what's going to happen to Eloise now? Because her and her dad are literally the same human being. So what's going to happen now? Um, And I had to rediscover what my own vision was for my life. What were my own values? What did I want to pass down to my children? Who was I as a coach, as a wife, as a mom? And I had to spend a lot of time redefining that for myself. And I think my saving grace was to accept that I wasn't going to get it perfect, to give me the space to grow and to learn and to be and to make mistakes Because to me, failure is not a state of being. Failure is a learning curve. You fail, you learn, you move on. Mm -hmm. You do not stay in a state of failure. So whatever was happening to me, I knew that it was temporary. I knew I would phase out of it. I knew I would grow from it. I knew I would learn from it. And so I gave myself that space to do all that. And the Eloise 3.0 that came out of it, um, I realized who I truly was and, and discipline and rigor and um, commitment and authenticity and accountability are things that really define me. I thought that they defined my job because, you know, as a lawyer, you have to be accountable and you have to be disciplined. You have to be committed to your clients. But I realized that those are things that are truly who I am as a person, and those are values I want to pass down to my children. And so it was a whole process of rediscovering who I was. And I think there's like a little bit of Eloise 1.0 in there. And there's a little bit of Eloise 2.0 in there. And the addition of everything that I discovered made the Eloise 3.0. I think that's a beautiful journey. And it's one that as we all go through our own evolution we can see the bits of us and recognize the parts of us that got us here and to be able to recognize the, recognize them and honor them 
as being necessary parts in that journey, I think is really important. No matter how much we change and how far the pendulum swings, our past decisions, choices, experiences play such a fundamental role in who we're becoming that we ought to honor them. If only to thank them for getting us here. Absolutely. I'm a huge believer that you can do anything with regret. Don't waste time on regret. Do not regret decisions. Do not regret paths that you've taken. Do not regret some people that you've loved or not loved. Just appreciate everything that it has brought you and has made you who you are because every experience that we go through is such a phenomenal learning tool, not just for ourselves, but for others. Like I look at myself as a mom and I'm like, wow, like I can use this experience to help my children, but also other entrepreneurs and other coaches and everything that I've lived through, even the parts that are, that are icky and even the parts that I find ugly and even the parts that are covered in failure. I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe someone else can learn from this. Mm. And so I don't regret it. I, I have learned, this is learned. (laughs) I have learned to embrace it. It didn't come naturally to me to just embrace failure because I was, I'm so performance driven Right. But it's something that I have learned. And I tell my clients, embrace the failures because you, as cliche as it sounds, there is something in there for you to learn. So you do not repeat the same mistake again. What do you think the hardest lesson for you was to learn in this journey of self-discovery? Oh my, okay, there's two. There's two very, 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 very powerful lessons. And the first one is that success is a team sport. And I used to be very self-reliant. I only played individual sports except my few years playing basketball, but like I ran triathlons and marathons and I always wanted to just count on myself. And I realized that in order for me to be successful and for others to be successful, I needed to be guided. I needed mentors. I needed coaches. I needed people whose experience I could learn from. And I needed to be surrounded by people that wanted what was best for me, but also be surrounded by people whose journey I could, I could be inspired by. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to other people that I wanted to cheer on. Right. So it it all comes back to help and serving whose, whose life can I impact positively? Who can I help? Who can I serve? Who can I bring value to? And that's why one of the lessons that I learned is really success is a team sport And the other very, very valuable lesson that I learned kind of the hard way is that you always hold the answer within yourself. Like when you're about to make a decision, you actually know what's right Mm -hmm. within you. You may not like the answer that's coming up for you. You may experience fear around the answer that's coming up for you. You may realize that you're going to have to do things, say things, in order to make that happen that you don't want to do, but you always have the wisdom within yourself to guide your life and to follow through with your vision. What stands between you and your vision is fear, fear of judgment, fear of failure. What happens if I do try and I fail? What then? What happens if I do try and people laugh at me? What then? What if I, I, do try and it's not like I expected it to be because when we don't try, we always have the excuse of saying, well, you know, I didn't give it my best effort. So obviously it didn't work. 
But what if I do give it my best effort and it still doesn't work? Then what? And that fear prevents us from following through on our vision. It prevents us from going forward. And when I learned that I had the wisdom within myself and I said, okay, if there's this inner voice that I have that knows better than I do, then I'm going to follow it because that's the closest thing I have to following God, right? It, it's to me, that voice comes from God and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to follow it because I have no crystal ball and I don't know what's going to happen. So I might as well learn to listen to that voice and be guided from it. Yes, I still validate my choices, but whenever I feel fear arising, I'm like, okay, where's this coming from? Why do I feel it? And do I really need to listen to that fear? What I love about these two takeaways, so success as a team sport and kind of trust that inner wisdom yeah. is, you know, prior to recording this interview and I was asking you your thoughts about change, you're talking about cultivating an ecosystem of change. And yep. I think this perfectly sums up what that <laughs> ecosystem needs. It needs a team of supporters. It needs yeah. people who are going to be cheering you on. It requires you to trust your inner guidance, your inner wisdom. Yeah. How can we go about creating such an ecosystem if we don't feel we have it today? Oh, that's such a great question. So success is a team sport. I think the first um, step that you can take is first realize, first take account of what it is that you want to accomplish in your life. Whether you um, want to continue in the career path that you're on, whether you want to change career, whether you're an entrepreneur, really, really become clear of the vision that you want for your life, for your business, for your work. And once you figure that out, go out there and just Google people that have the same ambitions and aspirations as you do. We are so privileged in this world where you can just Google um, entrepreneur mindset, uh, masterclass, group, um, where you can literally find communities online of people that have the same aspirations as you do that you can start working with, right? So go and find those groups. If you don't have it in your direct surroundings, if nobody's an entrepreneur or nobody has a big goal that is similar to yours, go out there and find a community that resonates with you. Find the people that resonate with you. Find a mentor, find a coach, look for it on LinkedIn or Pinterest or Instagram. There's so many resources out there, but you first have to know what it is that you truly want. And once you know what you truly want, then you can align yourselves with the right people. Right. So that's really the first, the first step in your ecosystem is finding what you want. The second step is go out there and find a community, a group, uh, a mastermind of people that have the same aspirations, the same goals as you. And then after that, you have to start learning to list, to listen to that inner voice. And sometimes we've shut that inner voice down so much that we don't even know what it sounds like. We don't even know where it's coming from. And so I always tell people, start with something very slow, like very small. Like, let's say you feel like going for fast food, right? You're like, oh my God, I could totally do fast food right now. Ask yourself, is this really what's best for me right now? Is this what's best for me right now? And wait for the answer to come. And if the answer is, no, that's not what's best for you right now follow it. 
I guarantee you the sense of pride that you will feel because you have kept a commitment to yourself. You have listened to yourself. And what you just did is you gave that voice, that inner voice, a little boost, a little bit of strength to continue talking because now it's being listened to. So start with little things. When you're, you're tired, it's in the evening and you grab the remote control and you're about to put on TV, ask yourself, is this in my best interest? Mm-hmm. Is this what's best for me? Should I go and watch TV or should I read a few pages of this book that I've been really dying to read and wait for the answer that comes up? And here's the thing. Don't negotiate with your inner voice. <laughs> Just like, and this is coming from a former lawyer. Do not negotiate <laughs> with your inner voice because here's the thing. The inner voice is not going to negotiate with you because if you really do want to open the TV, you will, Right. You, you'll just open the TV and the inner voice will go away. But every time you don't listen to your inner voice, you take its power away. So when people say to step into their power, when people say that they want to use their voice, well, if you want to use your voice, you have to start by listening to your own voice. That's when you are being authentic. If you use your voice, it's because you are listening to your own voice and that authenticity cannot be faked. And that's when people start listening to you because they feel that connection within you. That is so powerful. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) No, but really, I I can relate on such a deep level because I myself pushed down that inner voice for so long, for so, so long. And I too followed a vision of imposed success and didn't even realize it until I was manifesting physical symptoms that were making me ill and I was totally healthy. I took every test under the sun. Everything came back fine. And then finally the doctor was like, any chance you're stressed? (laughs) Any chance there's something going on that maybe you haven't paid attention to? And I was like, ah, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. It catches up to you. Yeah, It does. It does. And it was only when I gave it a little bit of headspace and heart space to just be heard that everything started to unravel in the most beautiful ways. And it is not to say that there were no hardships and that it was easy, Of course, but it gave room for me to actually start to explore what it is that I wanted. And I, so I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is when I say it's powerful, it's because I have felt firsthand the impact that allowing yourself, your inner self to be heard can have. It has completely transformed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. And that's, it's exactly that. You expressed it so beautifully when people talk about authenticity, which is like a big buzzword right now. And I think it's being thrown around a lot. What it means to be authentic being authentic is nothing that you say or do. Being authentic is being perfectly aligned with who you were always meant to be, with who you are, with that inner voice and that inner guidance. Hugely important and valuable lesson here is to start by knowing what you want, by getting that inner alignment and amplifying your mission by surrounding yourself with the right people. And, you know, you mentioned groups and masterminds and surrounding yourself with the people who are like you, who have goals like you, who just get it. And speaking of which, you have a online course coming up 
and there's an opportunity for people to dive a little bit deeper into some of this thinking and the practices which you've just scratched the surface on with us today. So how can people learn more about working with you, about the upcoming course, and be able to connect with you on some of the ideas in which you've shared? Thank you. So you can follow me on LinkedIn, which is where I post a lot of content on leadership and leadership skills and vision and clarity and really how to get to that level of building an ecosystem of success for yourself. Um, you can also look at my website, which is www.eloisegagnon.com. And when my online course comes out, it's really dedicated to leadership for entrepreneurs, where we go through clarifying what you want, your vision, your mission, your goals. But then we really cement all of that into self-leadership habits that you need to develop to really have lasting success. So whatever growth strategies that you implement in your business afterwards, which I will share a lot of in the course, um, there'll be strategies that will carry you forward. Incredible. Eloise, it has been such a pleasure and I am so grateful that you took the time to be with us today. Thank you, Samantha. You are so amazing. I am actually a huge fan of your podcast and um, avid listener. So I'm very happy that I got to do this with you today. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.